It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Feckin' Check-In, Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. Show. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Feckin' Check-In. My name is Trainer, and with me, as always, is my co-host Toomey. And this week, we do not have any guests, because last week we finished up Noah's Ark, so it's back to a traditional feckin' check-in show, although there's some aspects of this to me that aren't traditional at all. Why don't you fill in the listener on what's happening? Well, listener, you might be wondering what's going on. What's the intrigue? What's the new thing? Well, we are face-to-face in my apartment. For the first time in about uh, 30 episodes, we are recording an episode in the same room. Who knows what will happen, trainer? I think far more than 30 to me. I don't think the last time we recorded face-to-face was... I think it was two face-to-face snakes. Uh, and this, of course, is episode 20 of The Feckin' Check-In. And Open Us was 20 episodes as well, so... Yes, yeah. it's, it's slightly weird doing it face-to-face, <laughs> it's like to, be, to be quite honest. <laughs> it's surreal, but um, yeah, so how have you been getting on? Very good, as you know, because you were there. <laughs> I, was trying, I was getting my groomsmen and father of the bride and father... Uh, measured for their suits, getting them sorted uh, with their different measurements and waist, coast. I can never say that. It's, <laughs> it's a tricky one, all right. You said there? It's the double S, waistcoats, but I don't pronounce the middle T. I think you said it wrong there. Waistcoats. Waist. <laughs> but if I was saying it. Say it five times quickly there. Waistcoat, 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 waistcoat. Okay, you've got it. Waistcoat. <laughs> Waistcoat, 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 waistcoat. Okay, so it actually, but, if you think about it, it's actually not too bad. Yeah, but see, I'm slacking on the middle T. I'm saying waistcoat. <laughs> a soft tea in the middle. Yeah, that's it. So, nor- so, nor- yeah. Sorry, north side tea. Northside. So, listener, this is the type of banter you will you're hearing from a face to face feckin' check in. Um, so, Fergal trainer, <laughs> <laughs> don't tell them my real name. <laughs> What's going on with you these days? How are you? Uh, do you know, I was a bit, a bit under the weather recently. I still feel a bit sick today, actually, but um, I'm not as bad as I was yesterday. I was quite sick. I don't think it's the COVID, though, as I had no temperature and didn't really have the main symptoms. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of mouldy kind of body aches and that type of shit. But I'm feeling a bit better today. And we've just been in, been fitted for suits. And we decided to do the podcast this evening rather than waiting till tomorrow. Because uh, we had this unique opportunity where we saw each other in real life. <laughs> yes. Yes, listener. Can you believe that? We have just also had a dinner would you believe a dinner and a, and a pint of guinness in the sandy mount hotel i had the uh, fish and chips uh, fried fish it was a cod uh, with kind of french fries it was actually a hake oh jesus you're right it was or a, a haddock began with it, hake. no it was a hake, hake you're right yeah. it was a hake which is similar to a cod as you know yeah. and what did you have <laughs> <laughs> so i'm doing a vegan for a month uh Experiment based on the success of the vegan for a week, which was an episode of Open Us back uh, several months ago. Um, yeah, I decided I'd do it for a month for weight loss purposes rather than anything else. I lost a lot of weight the last time, and I didn't really put it. I didn't put it back on after I w- resumed eating meat. Right, dairy, you are. Right, you are. And um, I decided I'm going to do it for a month now, and the weight has been coming off me again. So it's a success. Success so far. Uh, I've been doing it for about a week and five days. So I decided, even though I really wanted the fucking fish and chips and it looked delicious. I thought if I make an exception for this, then I'll start making exceptions for everything, and then I just won't do it. So for me, it's all or nothing. Mm, yeah, I was just thinking of that phrase, all or nothing. And to switch it to something completely different, how is your social life uh, now at the moment? And just throwing that in, random question. Because we haven't pre-planned <laughs> this bit or anything. 
Absolutely not. Uh, so actually, recently I've been doing, I've been singing in a band. Um, there's a rehearsal space in Glasnevin called the Troubadour Rehearsal Space. Very it's called the Troubadour something anyway. Um, so Darren, a friend of mine who lives in Ashtown, and a few of his mates, two of which I knew already, and one of which I met just on the first rehearsal, have been doing uh, covers, cover versions of songs like rock, heavy rock, uh, and some other kind of stuff like Bob Dylan and Rolling Stones thrown in as well. Uh, but yeah, it's been great. It's for the first time I've sung in a group of people like that. Obviously, we rapped before and there were singing elements, but I've never sung with a live band. So it's something I've always wanted to do. So why not fucking do it now uh, when you can't do much else? Um, and the place is brilliant. It's only 50 quid. You get four hours. And that's 50 quid between five people. And you have four hours and they have they have amps, mics, a PA system uh, there. So the lads, and drums, so the lads just bring their guitars. And I don't have to bring anything because I'm a singer. Um, so that's yes. been a good crack. And I've also been seeing a new uh, lady as well. Ooh. So my, uh, my social life is a bit busy at the moment. Way busier than it was a while ago, uh, which when I was doing nothing at all whatsoever. Um, so, yeah. And do you want to give a shout out to your new uh, partner? Or uh, I'll just say hello to her. I don't want to mention <clears throat> anyone's name, but she does, she does listen. So she'll be listening to this. Well, hello. Mrs. X. Hello, Ms. X. Hello, Ms. X. That sounds really weird. (laughs) Ms. X. This has gone very strange. Uh, I'll I'll just throw in a private in joke. Who told you? There you go. She'll get that. Excellent. Anyway, so this is what happens, listener. Five minutes of drivel to start off the feckin' check in episode 20. 20 is quite a milestone, actually. Just a quick quick pause on that. We were saying just before we went on air, etc., that uh, Open Us lasted 20 episodes. Open Us being our previous podcast, of course. It did, yes. It did last 20 episodes. So we're on that note, no, I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> but on, a, on another note, we do have some news. Yes, but we do have some news and some reflections on the arc because, as you said at the start of the show, Noah's arc has set sail. I think it was over the Atlantic Ocean moving down towards the Pacific Ocean the last time I saw. And on that arc was <sighs> Arsplan, Silver Screamers, uh, kicking out of kayfabe. Uh, what Bitcoin did and trainer what did Bitcoin do <laughs> absolutely I'll never live that one down yeah and I'm missing one what's the one I'm missing it's oh she's the best one nearly or not nearly uh, the best one uh, which is Talking Maiden one of well I don't I don't pick favourites but it was a very enjoyable one one of the one of the best six <laughs> top six top six of them they're all the best ones so thank you to all of the ARC participants people who got on the ARC who weren't paid to get on the ARC who went up there with their own free will and gave up their time and we really enjoyed it and, and, and gave themselves up for our lord <laughs> yes well. and as we speak they're over the Pacific Ocean <laughs> thank god that's over first if first for some ways, we exhausted the Noah's Ark uh, metaphor, analogy, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And that brings us back to episode 20 of the Feckin' Check-In. We're back to a regular Feckin' Check-In, as we've said. And we're going to go through the funny observations, entertainment, culture, and kernels of truth. But we're going to do it in a slightly different way. We're going to start off with the E for entertainment. And, Trainer, will you lead us out on the entertainment segment for this week? I will, but... Are we going to bring them the news about the new podcasts? If not, we can cut this bit. I think we'll leave that as a little teaser and we'll come back to that at the end. Okay. I will lead us out, yes. So we're just going to talk for a bit about what we learned over the course of the arc. Toomey mentioned the guests there that we had over the period of six weeks and seven if you count our own uh, introductory episode as well. So 
I don't know. I, I might fire back to you, Timmy. You you had some interesting insight on this. We did have a bit of a chat before we started recording. What 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 have you learned from doing the arc that you previously didn't know? Some insight into podcasting and just some maybe some of the kernels of wisdom or truth from the guests that we had. Well, first of all, it was good to like hear the different guests' experiences and how they kind of built up their podcasts, different uh, recording equipment they used and like we had different guests at different stages of podcasts some people in their early stages kind of smaller podcasts and we had bigger podcasts so that was really interesting like hearing their reflections on how to do a podcast how to grow a podcast and how to have like a successful podcast as well so that, that in itself was really interesting but I suppose my main reflections aside from that would be on the experience of myself how it was different than when it was just me and you like how different it is to interview somebody especially doing that with a co-host mm. it's kind of a tricky thing because sometimes you don't know how much to interject and how much to lead the podcast yeah um and i think one of the things that came up in the arc is that there was certain um guests on that would have been within an area of interest of one of us but not the other one so my experience quite frankly <laughs> was when it was a week when it was your interest and not my interest I was kind of like oh yeah Grant I'll, I'll plow through this but then when it was my interest I was like yes yeah. I've got Arse Blog or I've got what Bitcoin did on yeah. and, and this is the best thing ever but then at the same time I was conscious that you weren't probably experiencing that well it wouldn't be natural for you to experience that so yeah, that's one of the things I was conscious of it was like a different kind of buzz that we're each separately on each week which mm. in itself is a bit strange really I thought yeah and I, I think that's, this goes as far back as the Tony Kelly interview and the Andreas Antonopoulos interview which weren't part of Noah's Ark but really which laid the groundwork for what we ended up doing uh, Andreas isn't a podcaster per se but he does a lot of speaking and Tony Kelly is a podcaster so essentially we've been doing this for a while mm. um, but Tony Kelly was somebody that I was interested in and knew a lot about and was happy to research before the podcast and Andreas Antonopoulos was same for you it was somebody you and I remember you were so excited after the Andreas Antonopoulos episode and I was just kind of like meh <laughs> and you were like but it has X number of downloads and I was like yeah it's good it's good, it's good. yeah I, I can't say that it wasn't good uh, but I, I didn't have the buzz that you had yeah. and with the Tony Kelly one like I was on cloud nine uh, I think I went out on the balcony and just had a couple of cans after that I was just celebrating how yeah. enjoyable it was yeah uh, and it was just like I, I I was like you were on cloud nine after Andreas and I was on cloud nine after Tony mm. Kelly and there was cloud eight seven and six as well <laughs> <laughs> for later guests <laughs> But, uh, there's a lot of clouds there but I, like after the Nesbitt episode as well I was fucking delighted like because uh, I, I did a brief appearance on their podcast a long time ago so it was great to have him on ours mm. and uh, I'm obviously a huge it was a great fan. interview with, with yeah well. like, I'm a huge fan of Talking Maiden and you know friends with him and, and a huge fan of Iron Maiden so it, that was like ticking all sorts of boxes for me like you know it was yeah. just a fucking ticking everything um, So, but I, I, I obviously sensed from you as well that you were kind of like yeah you know, it was good. It was a good interview. And like, I could look objectively at the interviews we did with the people who it wasn't where it wasn't one of my interests, and I could objectively look at them and say that was a good interview. But I didn't have the same excitement as you had. For example, yeah. Peter McCormick, who did an excellent interview, a very candid interview as well, and told us a lot of stuff that he frankly didn't need to tell us at all. <laughs> yeah. we, we were talking about podcasting and a bit about Bitcoin, and he was telling us about ordering drugs in the mail and his family and. Uh, all sorts of stuff really drinking, interesting guest yeah yeah like just drinking a drug use so that to me was really interesting it's just that I don't have the underlying fundamental 
heavy interest in Bitcoin that you do and vice versa mm. you, don't, you don't have the same one in Iron Maiden or whatever yeah and I think that creates a strange dynamic between people who are doing something together on a team and having different feelings and different excitement and different satisfaction levels during each episode yeah <laughs> there's, there's almost like a little bit of resentment when it's the other person's <laughs> week their guest you're like oh, oh yeah that's great yeah and you're, you're doing it for the team but i think long term like why the, the beauty of the arc was that we, we knew it was a short-term thing that we were trying out but like let's say if we had done the arc for 50 episodes mm. like i think there would have been if we let's say we alternated our interest each week mm then there would have been half the weeks you would have not been into it and then half the weeks you'd be really into it and then vice versa for the other person. Yeah. I just don't think that's a good kind of dynamic. And I think maybe the only one that was uh, mutually interesting to us was probably Silver Screamers in that you're probably just as interested in films as I am. Maybe, but maybe you hadn't listened to as many episodes of that. But yeah. as a topic, you would yeah. have been just as interested as I am. But yeah, it's a very accessible topic. Yeah, exactly. Movies, but then yeah. all of the other topics were either like, Wrestling for me, music for me. Yeah, Bitcoin for me. <laughs> Bitcoin for Football you. for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was funny. Like it was yeah. wearing a bit thin on me actually, and I was messaging about it. I was like, "This is kind of like this can't. I don't know how long this can go on. This can't go on. <laughs> this can't go on. It's like a relationship. It's weird. Yeah, you, yeah. One person is getting more out of it than the other each time, as you said, uh, which yeah. is not sustainable in the long but, run. But I have to say, like overall, like I know we're we're kind of pointing out the the kind of negative parts of it but like just to, to hold in mind for the listener and ourselves like that it was really enjoyable and um so that that was one point part of it but the other point part i suppose was learning to be a co-host and i feel like my skills personally developed a lot during that like knowing when to assert yourself and giving yeah. you time to to lead as a as a co-host or but whatever i i have some comments here about this so i th- i felt so what we did i don't know if the listener would have noticed but what we did really when when it was my guest and I was going to be interacting with them more and I was going to be asking more follow-up questions related to the topic like wrestling or Iron Maiden, Toomey did most of the hosting and vice versa. When it was Toomey's guest, like Ars Blog or Peter McCormick, I did most of the hosting. But I found that Toomey, I found that you got an easier ride than I did because your guests that I hosted for were far more famous and hadn't done any preparation. And my guests, yeah. my guests were far less famous <laughs> yeah. and had far more free time and did all of the preparation. Yeah. For example, Kicking Out of Kayfabe did the preparation. Silver Screamers did. Uh, Talking Maiden did the preparation. Yeah. And prior to that, Tony Kelly did the preparation as well. Yeah. People who didn't prepare were Andreas Antonopoulos, <laughs> Peter McCormick, Ars Blog, and uh, who was the other one? Uh, was there another one for me? I can't remember. I think those, those were my three people that I had oh, oh yeah but anyway uh, it was just that because they obviously were much busier had their own podcasts had their own side businesses in some cases uh, they didn't fucking go and prepare four points about funny observations yeah and it's a completely different type of interview like if somebody goes off and prepares what they're going to say then you ask them an open question and then they tell you about the thing they've prepared but yeah. when it's somebody who hasn't done any preparation yeah. then it needs to be a closed question so for you to be the host I was sweating buckets <laughs> yeah. interviewing because uh, you didn't know who the background much of the background uh, no. so be, when beyond I was, preparation that you did for the show and like it made logical sense it's like oh I'll host it because it's your person so if I don't host it then I won't be involved at all Yeah. So, but when I was interviewing Andrew Mangan I was sweating fucking buckets <laughs> asking him questions and I was like can you think of a funny observation he's like well that's a very broad question I was like I know it is <laughs> especially if you haven't prepared anything which, and I know why you haven't prepared anything because it's farcical to expect you to <laughs> Yeah. but thanks for coming on the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so there was a bit of I think we learned from that that 
with more famous people we can't expect them to do the preparation to be blunt yeah <laughs> and we need to alter our interview style to close questions but then with people who are maybe less famous and upcoming podcasts people who have more free time probably yeah more free time and like aren't getting 50 podcast requests a day probably which yeah those people possibly are they're probably not 50 but like Andres Antonopoulos like was slotting us into half hour slots as if his yeah. whole day and was I, filled and I know Ars Blog would have done a couple of other podcasts aside from his own yeah. that, that week as well sure so. even since Tony Kelly was on Ars he's popped up on a few podcasts as well like and he, yeah. he would be like in the lo- lower end of famous let's be honest like as opposed to like uh, um, even as opposed to Andreas or, or mm. Peter McCormick or whatever uh, anyway um, yes but uh, yeah I thought you got an easier ride because my people did their, did their homework and, and uh, yours didn't <laughs> <laughs> yes yes so every time I asked one of these questions I was like this person doesn't have a prepared answer so what I found is that I was rephrasing the question four or five times yeah I know <laughs> especially with the Cardinal Trude was like some, some, some sort of quote some sort of piece of knowledge and I added in was <laughs> any lesson you've learned something that's left an impression <laughs> so you're bombarding them with this shit <laughs> hoping that, that Impossible hoping to hoping that one of the ways you rephrase it will hit home with them, and they'll be just like, I thought it was funny when uh, uh, Andrew Mangan said, "If you pick it, it'll never heal." So at least he had some kind of funny uh, one-liner. Yeah, that was kind of like a bantery thing you say when somebody says something that that you're trying to illustrate is inappropriate question or is a bit stupid or like he was doing it in a very nice kind mm. of bantery way. But banter but then, is what you know when somebody says something and you. You kind of, yeah. I don't know, banter back at them. I don't want to use that phrase as a verb. But he did come out with some actual kernels of truth after he gave the kind of kind of smart arse answer, to be honest. Um, But like that's something we can learn. But I think the thing is, right, like that wouldn't have been a problem if we had a shared interest. Like Mm. so if you knew who those people were, the more famous people, you would have had Ten closed questions just in the back of your mind. I would have known what magpie facts were, for example. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know what they were. Are they facts about actual magpies? Yeah, it's just like a random thing that they started. On, okay, on the Arsenal so podcast. like I was thinking, like, isn't there a team called the Magpies, like Newcastle or something? Or there is actually. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I was like, is this is is? And I was in my head, is like, are Arsenal called the Magpies? And is that no, why it's magpies? No, it's just completely random. <laughs> yeah, just, no, yeah. I got that from when he was started explaining yeah. it. Then I was almost certain then that they were talking about actual facts about actual yeah. magpies now you were in a pretty precarious position there because you were in the position of a host having to come up with specific questions when not knowing too much about the person you were interviewing and I think that's that's again it's grand for the arc which is like six or seven six episodes I think mm. it was but I think this really the underlying thing going back to something that we struggled with since the start of podcasting is the lack of shared interest yeah. that we have and mm-hmm. how difficult it is to interview people or have a consistency even the arc like if you think of a fan base listening to your podcast like one one week it's about movies the next week it's about Iron Maiden the next yeah. week it's about Bitcoin then it's about wrestling yeah. and then it's about, then it's about Arsenal, Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> so like, uh, like you would wonder like how is the listener actually reacting to this mm. but like an arc kind of holds it together but an arc um ma- masks the fact that the, it's we have shared we don't have shared interests true and i think really this arc without realizing it was accidentally aimed at podcasters because <laughs> they're probably the only people who would be really interested in listening to six episodes of about podcasting and it was actually nesbitt sent me a message there he was like i love this i'm a podcaster and i love listening to a podcast about podcasting <laughs> but so he's a very niche market and that yeah, he's like yeah he was on it he's a podcaster uh so he would be interested in hearing other people's insights and paul from silver scream has told me he was enjoying it as well or he told us on twitter but uh 
other people, maybe Joe and Josephine Soap on the street, aren't particularly interested in six episodes consecutively about podcasting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the thing is, we didn't like set out to do a podcast about podcasting. Now, the funny thing is, that would be a shared interest of ours. We're, we have a shared interest in podcasting. So that would work. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't think it would be interesting enough for us because there's only so many podcasting stories that you can dredge up yeah. from different people. That's true. And I mean, there was even a small bit of repetition between the six guests that we had. For, for example, Nesbitt said something quite similar to Paul when they said, hearing your own voice or the, yeah. the, the, the words that you would use to join sentences together like eh uh, or um. Or yeah. But the best thing about that, like the repetitiveness, is we ended it on top. We ended it with our most popular episode. We en- we cut it at the right time, ruthlessly. Yeah. We were like, we were sensing it was kind of running its course and we were like, we're going to retire on the top here. Yeah. And that's what we but did. But I think you had one good point to make about... Um, that an arc is just <laughs> yeah I don't know if this will sound as funny but spontaneously off air it was, it was funny it obviously won't be funny now uh, but we were talking about before the podcast the podcasting arc about uh, growing the podcast and how we we would like geese golden geese a, a go- basically a golden goose is a popular person a celebrity an influencer who comes on your podcast and they they're kind of like a golden goose in that <laughs> They come on your podcast and then you get instantly popular after it. That's the concept. Or they lay golden eggs. Or, yeah, literally they, they do that as well. <laughs> so what we thought, we thought we're actually, we're above the golden goose model. So after flirting with, with Tony Kelly and Andreas Antonopoulos, we discovered that the golden goose model doesn't really work. So then we went into an arc and we thought, no, we're not doing a golden goose anymore. We're not chasing geese. But it turned out that the, the arc was actually just an inang- elongated geese goose it was a stretched out it was a it was a goose all along it was a giant goose and these were just components there was like the arm of the goose don't ha- geese don't have arm but you know what i mean it was the beak of the goose it was the wings of the goose another week and it just was this giant goose at the end of it and it, the problem with a goose is the goose will come and it will boost your ratings in the short term but then a goose will fly off yes with its flock and it won't lay any eggs yeah just to uh, labor the metaphor <laughs> yeah. all that that bit more just before we finally get but rid of it if we if we look at this deep down what we're expecting I know the download figures haven't come out for this episode but I know deep down that the, the download figures are going to be back to normal to be less to be <laughs> less than half of our splog for, for without a shadow of oh, a doubt oh without a shadow of a doubt yeah. which is yeah it's kind of a tough pill to swallow but you know you just have to suck it up on other metaphors right, about uh, swallowing and sucking so that Kind of brings us. We, we've gone on for twenty-two minutes at this stage, yeah. but fuck it. No, it's good. It's good <laughs> shit. But where we're going, where we're going with this then is like we've really figured out during the arc, and this is the main learning point going forward. Probably, is that you need to have consistency, and you need to have a, a like a specific topic that you're building on, and maybe a specific fan base and a specific interest. So lots of specifics in there. <laughs> the specificity is paramount <laughs> if i repeat the word specific lots of times it makes me sound more wise than i actually am yeah uh, especially but, four times it's a good, <laughs> yeah. it's a good number to, to finish on <laughs> yeah uh, and to be honest i could have finished it after the third specific guy and the fourth one was added in but that's why we have an announcement to make for the feckin check-in listener trainer Will you reveal the announcement to the listener? I will. So what we're going to do, coming soon, hopefully next month, and by that I mean September, uh, 
I don't know why I clarified that, but I, I can't remember <laughs> what day this is going out. So well, it's the end of August. Yeah, yeah. So September. Um, hopefully by September we are going to have two new spin-off podcasts. That's one each. Mine is going to be called Feckin' Metal. And Toomey, what's yours going to be called? Feckin' Football. Okay, so they're kind of self-explanatory. Um, and what what will happen is that we're going to have two spin-off podcasts on the same feed as the Feckin' Check-In. So they're part of the Feckin' Check-In podcast network. And I'll just explain mine uh, briefly, and then Toomey will throw it over to you. But my plan is to, for mine to be uh, a guested... A guested? Every, every show will have a guest. <laughs> it won't necessarily be every week starting off, but long-term goals maybe yes uh but the plan is to have a guest every single week and talk about heavy metal and hard rock um and the plan would be to focus on up-and-coming or newer bands particularly those which are part of the unofficial movement called the new wave of traditional heavy metal long-time listeners might remember me talking about that on the open us episode where we listen to each other's top 10 played spotify songs of the year but there's a lot of new up-and-coming heavy metal bands that are inspired by bands of the past that are quite accessible on the likes of facebook and twitter um and hopefully what i would like to do is get some of those people on as guests and talk with them a lot of bands have obviously uh suffered financially because of the coronavirus lockdown but then there are several others who have been quite creative in how they release music or merchandise or products and all that type of stuff and those are conversations i'd love to have and as these bands are kind of at a, an accessible level i'd be quite hopeful to try and get several people on as guests but i also plan to have fans uh, and fellow podcasters on as well so that's my plan for feckin metal and to me what's your plan for feckin football yeah, feckin' football. At the moment, it, it I suppose the, the idea is a bit less developed than feckin' metal. But what I want to do, um, I suppose, is experiment with, with doing a podcast completely on my own. So sharing my thoughts about football. So like there's been a re- recent match that week or transfer news or some controversy in football. I just want to give my thoughts on it. Um, and... The reason is because I think I have a lot of thoughts in football that I keep to myself. I, d- I don't, I suppose, as you get older, you just hang around less with your friends. And I have all these thoughts in the back of my head and it comes to me very easily. Um, I read about football multiple times a day. I read about tactics. I read about the transfer news, just like a- any regular football fan. Yeah. And I, f- I feel like I, I would like to experiment with sharing my thoughts. I've always fancied myself as a bit of a, a tactician or a philosopher philosopher about football of, but I have absolutely no evidence for that bit of a Johnny Giles type of thing. <laughs> Johnny Giles with no experience of, of winning uh, multiple Premier League titles with uh, Leeds United or any expertise <laughs> but I just want to see what it's like I, I'm also interested in just seeing what it's like to be kind of just myself talking into a microphone because like I, I don't know like I, I do listen to a lot of podcasts where it's like for example Bill Burr when he or um, Blind Boy podcast where they're just kind of talking into the microphone and I like those podcasts mm. as well because um, sometimes with a co-host podcast I'll give an example Second Captains I, I really like Ken Early on um, Second Captains which is a football podcast but the other um, people on there <laughs> I don't want to diss them but I'm just more into him his thoughts than the other people on it and yeah. I found that with different podcasts mm-hmm. as well so I just want to experiment with that really very interesting good stuff so I'm actually quite similar in that um, there are some podcasts I like and it's just a monologue so with Alan Averill from Primordial his podcast called Agitators Anonymous I think I mentioned it on a previous episode standard episodes are just him speaking for 45-50 minutes and it's a bit all over the place but he acknowledges that while he's talking and he sometimes loses his train of thought but he usually gets back to it um 
not like Billy Connolly in the 80s. Um, but uh, I do quite enjoy that. And Alan, if you're listening, if you'd like to be a guest on Feckin' Metal, <laughs> I'm friends with you on Facebook. I am. Return uh, his messages, Alan. <laughs> stop. <laughs> I just want to clarify that that's a joke. From Toomey. <laughs> From me. That has nothing to do with trying that joke. Um, but but no, uh, I, I could see uh, on your podcast, like you'll have lots of different people who want to come on like from the fans to the people who are performing mm. and there's a really hardcore fan base within heavy metal isn't there a yes. real culture a real strong culture and similar to you i have precisely one close friend who likes heavy metal that's kevin daly our, our mutual friend um that we've known since since uh, primary school who was on an episode of the feckin check-in but none of the rest of my friends like it really now i have other fringe friends who do like a bit of this and a bit of that and i have some <laughs> other friends who like it but they're not quite cl- close enough to talk to them all the time so I have a lot of shit that I want to say <laughs> and I have nobody to fucking say it to yeah. and it, it's kind of like wrestling and I mean you know yeah. watch this space for a feckin wrestling podcast <laughs> as well. I think it's coming yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but it's like ah, and, and like I'm not one to go on online forums too much and talk to people that way I just never was that way really yeah. uh, so I have so much shit that I want to talk about and I don't have anyone to fucking say it to and mm. I don't have anyone equally as interested in me except yeah. for Daly who I talk to regularly obviously but he's in fucking Sweden and <laughs> <laughs> like, you know we, we, we WhatsApp back and forth all the time actually and a lot of the time about music but you know it's you want a fucking sounding board as well you want like you were saying about the football you want to be able to just chat back and forth and to mm. regularly have that constantly with somebody who and different people actually who are equally mm. as interested in the topic yeah. as you it, it, that's like a mouth watering for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's, it's really uh, really exciting yeah and it's something I want to do for a long time as well I put together a, a, a private list to myself of people I think possibly might entertain the idea of coming on and I've been sitting on that list for like about five months now and haven't done anything with it yeah and we should just say to the listener like the feckin check-in will still be going on every oh yes week. definitely every week because uh, um liz actually asked me my fiance she said will you not be competing in terms of ratings and stuff and we I will 100 percent. no I, i'll be wwf <laughs> you'll be wcw <laughs> but i said like we're on the same team and like the whole thing is we're, we're going to be driving traffic back to the feckin check-in brand so you're going to have your feckin Fecka maniacs from the Fecka metal. I'm going to have the Fecka football aholics, mm-hmm. and they're all going to come back and listen to us hopefully at the weekends uh, with the Fecka checking. Alright, so that was the E, a very elongated E there, almost like the elongated goose. But <laughs> <laughs> spread goose. Um, but yes, that was the E, and now we're moving on to F, because we've done this arseways, because that's how we roll nowadays. We do whatever the fuck we want, listener. <laughs> New podcasts, <laughs> fuck with the structure that we've been fucking building for months. <laughs> do whatever we want. Um, so, we're going to the F, <laughs> and, and as a... As is the beauty of the original style fucking check-in, this is completely unrelated and has nothing to do with what we were just talking about. So um, if you've forgotten in the weeks where we were fucking sailing on arcs and, Before inter- the arc. and interviewing people, uh, the F is a funny observation, of course. So um, this one I thought of, and this is to do with summer, and as summer is winding down, uh, I want to talk about shorts. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, very hot button issue. <laughs> Yes. Shorts. Shorts. So, so, so lead us out on shorts. What are your, what's your specific observation about shorts, trainer? This is an observation of a type of character who um, 
doesn't like when I don't wear shorts. <laughs> this isn't just one person I've encountered during my life. It's a it's a category of people, right? And I'll give you I'll paint a picture for you here. I'll give you a scenario. So it's a hot day. It's 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 twenty degrees, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, something like that. If which in Ireland is hot, um, I go to meet somebody for a coffee or. Um, I see them at the weekend socially and he's like it's not during work where you'd have to be wearing slacks or chinos or something and uh, they see me arriving up not wearing shorts and they go are you not roasting? (laughs) but it's not a question it's more like an accusation and a question and it's moulded together if it was written it would be a question mark and then an explanation mark exactly exclamation I think I said exclamation and and sometimes I would have the, the audacity or the gall to wear a shirt over my t-shirt as well in the 17, 18, 19, 20 degree weather. And they'd be like, are you not roasting? And I've, I've been dealing with this my whole life. And here's the reason why I don't wear shorts. Because I have really skinny, well, they're not skinny anymore, but skinny, pasty, very, very, very white legs mm. and very, very, very white skin. And th- I'm self-conscious, self-conscious about, about that. It. Yeah. yeah. And I've yeah. always been self-conscious about it. And like looking at me, you would understand why I might be self-conscious about showing off my fucking legs to any old cunt who walks up the canal uh, so I don't want to and, and sometimes I'm even self-conscious about wearing a t-shirt although I've kind of lost that a bit as I got older Like, but sometimes it kind of just comes in and it's this kind of ugh, like accusation and like why the fuck would you give a shit if I'm wearing shorts or not or if I'm roasting do you think they're being vindictive I don't know it's just this it's the way it's phrased and the way it's said it's like you're not roasting it's like obviously I'm wearing what I'm wearing for a particular reason I'm not oblivious to the weather I'm not oblivious to the heat or the heat wave that we're currently having uh, and I've chosen what I'm wearing for a particular reason like you don't make comments on other people's other clothing choices so just shove it up your arse yeah it's a question but it's almost like an insult at the same time are you not roasting you idiot <laughs> yeah. kind of thing and it's none of your business if I am roasting or if I'm not roasting uh, it's none of your concern uh, wh- just a question on that um when did you notice for the first time that you were uncomfortable wearing shorts? Was this is this a long term thing or like um, just uncomfortable in general? So like I used to be extremely pasty. I'm not as bad as I used to be, but I'm still quite a, a good bit whiter than even the normal people. But um, uh, when I was very young, I played GAA for two seasons for Cabin TD Football Club or Cabin TD GAA Club, sorry, and uh, my nickname was Casper. <laughs> by the opposing teams so in GAA you're expected to wear these ridiculously short shorts and uh, yeah. I luckily it was a long sleeve jersey but that fucking a long sleeve jersey and really short shorts yeah that is that's a strange combination well, I mean they were using any old shite that they had Like, but the I think the general consensus was to wear short white GAA shorts yeah really uh, really but it was short. a long sleeve jersey with a collar yeah it was weird uh, but the jerseys had been around since fucking Methuselah. And they were probably oversized, were they? <laughs> oh yeah, just, you got any old jersey, any old week. And if you had the jersey out over the shorts, it it was like a um, skirt. Yes, but if thing. you tucked it in, the shorts weren't large enough to accommodate it, so you were shafted <laughs> either way. So what you had to do was kind of a half tuck and a hangy outy over the oh, God. N- like nineteen nineties tucky any styley stuff. It's a real um, symptom of the nineties, which yeah. is what happened. But. Uh, <laughs> And the jumpers were sponsored by Canada Life, and like half of the letters were peeled off, so it was like Canada Life. Um, but anyway, uh, so I got called Casper one time. I remember we were playing against Bally Fermat, and I was uh, normally I was a defender, but for some reason that week I was up as a forward, uh, and I was playing right up near near their keeper, and the keeper was a little cunt, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, Casper." 
Hasbro. Why are you so white? <laughs> it's like, well, I made it transparent. I'm like, white, you fucking uneducated fuck. Um, but anyway, <laughs> he was giving me shit for the entire match with his stupid little cunt mates, cronies, who were hanging around the goalpost. And I, I, I got sick of it after, however, I don't know, 70 minutes, whatever the length it was. And um, as we were walking back to the cars, um, I don't even think we went back to the dressing room, uh, he was walking in the opposite direction and with his stupid lackey mates. And I ran up. And as hard as hard as I could, I pushed him to the ground. Ran oh, wow. up. <laughs> Never heard that one before. Yeah. <laughs> Ran up behind him, pushed him to the ground. He fell flat in his face. And uh, I just walked off because I knew he wasn't going to follow me. I just knew I was confident enough that he wasn't going to follow me. And he didn't. Uh, well, it was great. It was a great feeling. Anyway, that had a lasting impression on me. Um, yeah. But just generally, being, being a lot wider than everybody else. Uh, it's the pasty skin thing, is it? Yeah. yeah. I, and I always yeah. have been. Like, and I used to see photographs of myself when I was younger. And I was like, Jesus Christ. And I remember one time we were in school. And and a, a, a mutual friend of ours who's not in our very close group, but he, he, we both know him. I won't say his name on the air, embarrass him, but he described me to another friend of mine at the time as he looks like something from The Exorcist. Oh, that's... <laughs> yeah, that really oh, hurt. Jesus. Uh, and that's somebody we both still know now and would still be kind of... And you're going to reveal to me uh, off air. I'll reveal like, to you off air, yeah. We pally yeah. with... Um, but that really stung as well. Like, and I mean, there wasn't even a pale character in The Exorcist, but I know... I know what they and like we were in secondary school like you know so whatever you know people mm. are nasty and they don't think about it but uh, it looks like something from the experts like it designed to offend as much as possible with as few words as possible yeah well, <laughs> and, like, and, and pick on the one thing that they know the person is most self-conscious about as well yeah well kids are good at that aren't they they find your weakness they, yeah. they fish around and, and we've all done it to other kids as well like I, I've been bullied and I, unfortunately as a kid I'm ashamed to admit it I have bullied kids without realising and so did I as well I, sh- I will admit there were a few instances in my life where I was definitely involved in bullying um, so I'm not perfect either but yeah. you know and I realise that but it does stick with you as well yeah so that's why I'm not fucking wearing shorts <laughs> The history of you not wearing shorts. Um, my experience with shorts, I suppose I would have been a bit more comfortable uh, wearing shorts, playing football all through my youth, really. You sort of quit football after a couple of years, but I would have been um, playing football for 10, 15 years up until the age of 20. Um, and recently I've become a lot more comfortable with shorts. I find them more comfortable. I don't i like the feeling of just the, the air on my legs i'm i've lost a bit of weight in the last six months so i'm just a bit more comfortable in my body um i i guess like the thing i i would notice about shorts is the different styles of shorts that have come in and, and out like remember there was the the three-quarter length shorts yeah yeah those. i i i i wore those in thailand because you had to wear it you couldn't wear full trousers so i wore two yeah. quarter lengths in thailand i felt comfortable with the three-quarter lengths because they covered up most of your legs but you still got the air coming in the ventilation yeah, yeah. but you, you didn't feel on uh you didn't feel exposed yeah um and then that kind of over time it 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 seems to have developed into shorter shorts yeah so the gaelic shorts you would have worn at the age of seven playing for cabin Teeley are actually fashionable now. oh really i hadn't even fucking noticed yeah, like Jesus. people are wearing shorter shorts now um but yeah i don't know like the thing i also noticed about shorts is that you have to wear the right socks with shorts yeah you have to have those ankle socks i don't own socks. a pair of those ankle socks yeah so you never owned one in my life in ankle socks and it used yeah. to be you you could have the socks that showed like the socks go up over your ankles mm. if you know what i mean mm. but then it became you could only have the socks that go to the bottom of yeah. your 
like so it was like almost soul socks yeah yeah, yeah. socks so, for the soul yeah socks for the soul but I think in general in Ireland people have become more comfortable wearing shorts yeah and you now, see, sometimes you see middle aged men wearing shorts and you're like no I don't yeah. really see that I, I can totally hear where you're coming from with the, the air thing like I, at home now in the very warm weather and it's really really warm in my apartment I've started wearing like wife beaters around the apartment <laughs> and I'd sit out on the balcony in them but I wouldn't dare leave and go to the shop wearing a wife beater I'm talking about yeah. full cut off sleeves like exposing my arms completely but wearing it around the house it's great it's fucking really comfortable and yeah. luxurious like yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I like I wouldn't I would never dare wear that outside the yeah. home <laughs> and I think a key thing about like wearing a wife beater or shorts outside the home is how comfortable you feel with your body like so you've had lots of experiences of being bullied for having like pasty skin yeah let's <laughs> just call a spade a spade <laughs> yeah and I guess I've been used to it and I feel like recently i've gotten a bit fitter i'm not ashamed of my legs i'll just put it that way like i'm, mm. I'm not, i don't want to show them off or anything but mm. i don't care if people see them for me it was always the hairiness of my legs my legs are extremely hairy i've full disclosure hairy arse <laughs> <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's the type of thing i'd be more embarrassed about but i think you can get away with it with so just don't wear those shorts that reveal your arse and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah so you can get away with it it's a bit of hair down the bottom of your legs um, I think people sometimes overlook that. Um, I don't know. I have no proof. Um, <laughs> but I think it's just, it's partly related to body image, isn't it? Like, yeah, and I don't have a good body image, actually. Um, I've become more comfortable with my face as I've got older. But, uh, mm. but like, like, for you, like I, I know we don't want to go too deep into this for you, but um, and you can stop me if it <laughs> goes too deep, but um, I suppose your interest in fitness and uh, weight has, has sort of seems to have come on in the last five to ten years or is I'd say six six and a half years six yeah. and a half because I was told yeah. I was too fat by two doctors in a row <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like you exercise how much do you exercise a week on average so I'm not really actually since we did the last episode of uh, <laughs> wherever the fuck we talked about exercise I've completely slacked on exercise because I have this weird perversion in my head where when I tell people I'm doing something then I just stop doing it because the pressure becomes too much uh, so um, <laughs> okay. No, I just I just slacked off. I, so I was doing a lot of walking. I was doing yoga, and I was actually doing weights. And then I stopped walking because I got bored of it. I stopped doing yoga in fairness because Maya, who I was doing with my housemate, is away, and it was a thing we did every lunchtime. And one person motivated the other, and I stopped doing the weights because I just wasn't arsed. And I've actually stopped. But prior to only a few weeks ago, I was exercising quite a lot, and I will get back into it. I just it's I've just gone through a lull period basically. Let me put it this way: Like, do you think you would get to a phase? Let's say hypothetically, you got to a really good um, stage where you think I've exercised really well for a sustained period of time. I mm-hmm. feel comfortable in my body. Do you think you would wear shorts that stage? Do no, you? it's the skin pigment. It's is, the skin. It's not, it's not oh, gonna, so, yeah, it is the skin. <laughs> the, the skin. It's not going to change no matter how much you exercise. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So is this the skin thing? Okay, mm-hmm. I don't want to labour the point. I was going to labour the point and ask you if you had like. If your legs somehow got tanned, would you wear shorts? Yes, you would. Okay, <laughs> yeah. maybe that's a pertinent question. Then. Yeah, well, it is pertinent. And when I've been on holidays and stuff, and uh, my arms have like got a bit of color, like it, it makes me feel more confident. Yeah, uh, and I'm not saying that they get tanned, but like they might get a tiny little hint of even being tiny bit brown or something. Yeah, um, and yeah, it makes me feel a lot more confident. So yeah, if, if I if I was a normal human and I could get tanned, uh, 
I would, but I find if I want to get any sort of colour, I have to expose myself to the sun repeatedly for days on end for short periods of time. Um, yeah. And then it eventually, eventually does something. But it, mm. I'll, I'll never get a tan ever, like a traditional tan. I think you spoke very openly about that. And I think it, it just makes me reflect on body image as an issue among men and how often we don't talk about that i know this how often we don't be, talk about it as in never we never talk about, i know this is supposed to be a funny observation <laughs> but like maybe men like you know the way in the media we're getting better a little bit about talking about mental mm. health but we never talk about body image to this extent like no. maybe we talk about are you on a diet or no i'm not on a diet oh uh, like yeah, there's yeah. a bit of that yeah but um breaking yeah. it down about nobody does and what annoys me is that the the people who are accusing you of not being roasting or whatever they're doing. Uh, it's a fact that they're not emotionally intelligent enough to realise that there's a reason why I'm not fucking wearing shorts. How can you not realise yeah. that? Obviously, there's a reason why I'm not wearing shorts. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you don't see a person wheeling down the road and go, what's wrong with your legs? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. they're in a wheelchair for a reason. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's almost as if they unconsciously sense that it's something you're sensitive about. Yes, and exactly. And prey on it. And prey on it, exactly. Yeah. And I think there's a subconscious element of that going on. Maybe they're not doing it deliberately, but it's like, he's not wearing shorts. I'm going to bring that up. <laughs> you're not Because it's so fucking common. You're not roasting, you prick. Yeah, are you not roasting? It's not even a question. It's like, are you not? Well, anytime anyone says, are you not, they're being passive aggressive anyway. Like, let's, yeah. let's yeah, just yeah, put that down. Let's just get that out there. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, really interesting reflections there. Kind of a, a biographical history of your relationship with shorts. Yes. Um, yeah, so will we, we leave it there on shorts? We'll I think that's cut, enough of shorts and, and, and skin. Yeah. Let's cut it short there. Okay, now, this is a topic that's uh, more to do with you, although I think it was my idea. I can't remember. (laughs) Uh, But before that, we're going to go back to our traditional structure, and we're going to talk about what the song of the week is for this week. And of course, this week's song is by Elliot Smith, and it's called Between the Bars. So we're not going to play it yet, but we will have a quick chat about it first. Um, Yeah, will, will you kind of introduce to the listener trainer why you chose this song? And maybe introduce the topic that we're going to talk about afterwards as well. Yeah, so I've liked Elliot Smith for a while. I'm not an enormous fan, but there's a couple of his albums I've really liked. Uh, <clears throat> Either Or, which this one's from, and another one called XO. And uh, he's a singer-songwriter. He died in strange circumstances, which like, you know, makes him more appealing, obviously, like Jeff Buckley. But um, mm. he uh, has a song called Between the Bars, and it's just a little ballad on a guitar. And initially, when I, when I listened to this album, I felt that it was about being in prison. Um, and if somebody was going to visit somebody in prison but I wasn't really listening to the lyrics and then between the bars kind of in the back of my mind as well I thought maybe it's to do with music you know bars being a musical term but when I actually sat down and listened to the lyrics properly and it was only recently when I did that having been a song a song of the fan a fan of the song (laughs) since like 2007 2008 I realised that it was about alcohol and the bars were not metaphorical they were about actual bars as in pubs and uh there's just some great lyrics in it that really reminded me of what you were saying on Kicking Out of Kayfabe when we were talking to Colin about drinking culture. And mm. it really hit home with me. So there's a part in the song, the chorus, where he says, People you've been before that you don't want around anymore, that push and shove and won't bend to your will. 
I'll keep them still. <laughs> so, I think this is exactly the opposite of what happens to you when you get drunk. So, I, I think the perspective of this song is that alcohol, or this guy's alter ego when he's drunk, is talking to him. And it's a conversation between the two. Or in fact, it's a one-way conversation. So, it's either alcohol is talking to him, or the person he becomes when he's drunk is talking to him. And, he's, and the person or alcohol is saying to him, people you've been before that you don't want around anymore, that push and shove and won't bend to your will, I'll keep them still. So, the alcohol kind of numbs numbs those people that he doesn't want to become or that he's been before but he doesn't want around anymore so the alcohol numbs that and makes him whatever for a few hours whereas with you I found with your conversation you were saying that the alcohol brings out the person that you don't want to be and makes you into this character that you don't feel is true to your real self Um, so those lyrics just kind of hit home with me when I realised what the song was actually about and it was shortly after doing the Kicking Out of Kayfabe uh, recording. And I was like, that's like almost exactly what Toomey was saying, but kind of the exact opposite. Mm. I'll tell you what, let's play the song now and then we'll come back and I'll give you my reflections on that. Okay, so this is Between the Bars by Elliot Smith. Drink up, baby, stay up all night with the things you could do You won't but you might The potential you'll be That you'll never see The promises you'll only make Drink up with me now And forget all about The pressure of days Do what I say And I'll make you okay them away the images stuck in your head people you've been before that you don't want around anymore that push and shove and won't bend to your will I'll keep them still drink up Kiss you again Between the bars Where I'm seeing you there With your hands in the air Waiting to finally be caught Drink it one more time And I'll make you mine Keep you apart Deep in my heart Separate from the rest bars there by Elliot Smith so uh, you know maybe I'm talking complete poppycock here and you know other people are, are reading into it completely differently but that's that's my take on it anyway but uh, after having listened to it there to me what what are your thoughts and especially with my opinion as well uh, in mind well I think the the song for me I read into it it's like the the song is about the drunken character talking to the sober character and sort of in 
like seducing the sober character into drinking to kind of feel better and take on this persona and having a more sort of domineering presence and feeling at ease. Mm. And that's how I read it anyway. I don't know if that's the, the intentions of the lyrics. Well, you know, it's art. Like, it's open to interpretation, obviously. Like so. Yeah. Well, like, I took it that way because that's, that's how I felt over the years about drinking, that I was... The problem with me with drinking um, was that I would become a completely different person drunk than I was sober, in my in my perspective, anyway. Yeah. Um, Sorry, and this leads us on to our culture point as well. So the song, <laughs> the song and the culture point are intrinsically linked, so it's all yeah. kind of the one long point, but anyway. So this is drinking culture that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, for me, I was never an alcoholic. I was never... Um, I never um, had to stop drinking, but I realized that over time the drinking was, was becoming a problem for me because it was making me a different person when I was drunk than I was when I was sober. And that was actually quite, that led to a lot of conflict within me because if you're sort of quiet and more kind of... Um, and on that note. Uh, <laughs> calm there, yeah, we're drinking at the moment, so I can articulate this <laughs> because I'm in my... Uh, domineering persona at the moment no um but like i think let's if i compare it with you i think the difference between trainer sober and trainer drunk is like you're you're going to accentuate some of the the qualities of your sociable personality and things like that but for me it's like if i was drunk i would be completely really sociable like um being a character being boisterous trying to like you know like a, yeah <laughs> type of thing and i would end up doing things playing to the crowd like not not like intentionally doing it but subconsciously doing it definitely The, the problem for me is is coming back to yourself after that like on the Monday Tuesday and Wednesday after the Saturday night is like my Monday to Friday self was so different to my drunk self mm. that's what the problem was with for me and that led to a lot of identity confusion and also I don't only only see my close friends like the lads when drinking so they would only associate me with the drinking part of me so yeah if I wasn't on that buzz or if I just didn't want to drink mm. they were like kind of like over the years they were kind of like what's wrong or yeah yeah they wouldn't you want to see the real to me yeah, yeah yeah exactly that was said to me a couple of times or like they would just be a bit suspicious of it and and then I never because I was only seeing some like a lot of my friends only through drinking mm. I never got to bond with them when I was being a boring bastard when I was just being like a dull person who just goes into work and yeah. is shy and, and wears slacks wears slacks like, and sometimes shorts. and that is actually me 90% of the time I'm just a normal person I'm not that kind of boisterous kind yeah. of person so like I think that song rings a bell with me and uh, you were saying I think when, he's when trying I to that, I think he's trying to keep at bay his normal self those are characters he doesn't want around anymore uh, and turn into this thing that's perfect for him when he drinks but I think you're trying to keep at bay the monster that you do become when you're drunk by not drinking as much or as frequently yeah it's a bit like, like it's like, quite a lot of parallels there no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't call it a monster but I think there's like yeah like for me like I, the way I look at it is like it, 
are you a problem drinker if mm. if drink is a problem for you and for mm. me it's like if i get into that mode of wanting to be a different person when i'm yeah. drinking and that's actually a problem like l- looking at that and when like alcohol is the fuel for that persona so yeah then when i get drunk i want to drink more and i want to have more shots and then it's just uncomfortable because then like and, and i i presume this is common to lots of irish people i would hope it is um, yeah, that fucking definitely to some is. degree anyway like you're just trying to fuel fuel yourself with the alcohol to perform yeah. mm-hmm. and if you're doing that over a sustained period of time um it leads to a lot of confusion and then after a while you just get sick of it because it's not the real you yeah. but i think what you trainer like your drunk self is an extension of who you are so it's not that seems to me not like a problem mm. if you know what i mean i don't know what, what would your take be on that uh i enjoy drinking and even being drunk uh, but I don't get drunk as much as I used to. But I definitely enjoy enjoy drinking, and I think it improves me. <laughs> so, like, what you have now is me after a few cans, and I think that makes me a more enjoyable person. I'm I enjoy myself more, and I think I'm more enjoyable to other people, and that's why I keep coming back to it. But also on my own, sitting at home, I would like to have a few cans, and that's couple of times a week easily um and that's another interesting thing about you is that you also don't really drink at home either uh, on your own no so it's not just a worry of getting too drunk and becoming a different person it's yeah. also extends to your your own private behind closed doors life where yeah. you don't really drink at home whereas with me i could sit at home and watch some t- tv have a few cans watch a film whatever listen to music i find yeah. it's a nice way to relax and it it it's like I mean I assume it's like people who smoke weed all the time which I was never really into I'd have a drag now and then but I'm not into it um, they use it to unwind and they use it to I don't know escape from themselves a bit or something and I would do the same with it like four cans of a Wednesday uh, I would sit there stick on the television or do whatever the fuck I'm doing even read a book and I think it just makes me unwind from the work day and unwind from my myself and I find it quite comfortable and it's not out of control, you know, I have a complete handle on it. Um but I definitely help I definitely feel like it helps me relax and you know, you know, those are probably quotes from an alcoholic. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you don't do that. Well I have done that on occasion and I get what you're saying when you have a a, a, a pint or two at home or a can or two at home it takes the edge off and you can kind of relax but I think for me I'm a sensitive person to alcohol in that it would, that would affect my sleep it would affect my kind of diet plan it would I don't know I would feel I would feel my not quite right the next day I would feel almost a bit down or something the next day so right. alcohol has always had uh, I think a, quite a big effect on me in terms of the hangover your mental health mental health yeah and I, I think you just learn that over time what like even coffee has, has an effect on me if I drink coffee after two or three o'clock in the day I can't sleep that night and yeah. I know that like I know coffee is supposed to exit your system after four hours but not for me like I just yeah, yeah. it just sparks off too, know, m- too many thoughts and stuff. I've heard a lot of people saying that recently and I, I've never found that like I could be in work having a coffee as late as five and wouldn't affect me at all but I suppose we're all 
differently sensitive to different things and that's mm. just the, the way it's human nature um yeah but uh having four cans i was even i was talking to our friend mark there recently like having eight pints i'd still think i'd be all right the next day to be honest like, yeah i'd like the, i'd be grand on that well, like, if i had eight pints i would be gone for three or four days after really that. yeah i wouldn't be myself at all and that, that and that's what like the decision for me to drink then becomes a much bigger thing because i know huge, it affects yeah. me to those those three or four days after and it is the potential of doing things and saying things i wouldn't normally do when yeah. drunk as well so then it becomes this thing like when you get older you're kind of like i find excuses not to drink even though we're drinking now and i'm really enjoying it but <laughs> it's in a contained environment if we were out in a bar or something when there was or, no limit to the the night do you know some of the my favorite memories of between the two of us are when I went over to visit you in Southampton and we went out and got absolutely shit-faced and went to loads of nights <laughs> and two yeah. nights in a row but th- th- that was so loose and yeah. just fun um, yeah. but um, but it was yeah. also can, I don't know it was relaxed but, as well but there were there were times when we were drinking a Smirnoff ice with a um, Newcastle Brown Ale, ale Chaser <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. the other way around whatever but yeah. there's I have a picture of us with like Four each of Newcastle Brown Ale and four each smear of ice yeah. in front of us. So yeah, I know what you mean. But it's, yeah, yeah. this is a contained environment that can't happen here. Like yeah. actually can't happen. Yeah. So that that's me anyway. Like um, we had different takes on that song, and it was it's a good thing to talk about. And uh, I think you were interested that I had that that different experience with drink than than you had. Like I mean, yeah, it's to me it's interesting because it's such a part of my personal makeup to be a drinker and have a few cans and go out for pints and that's how I socialise with people that's how I bond with people um, and you know some people other people might look at that and go well that's kind of sad you don't enjoy yourself with that alcohol <laughs> but I don't fuck them I don't care yeah. that's me and I'm being true to myself so yeah. you know that's it uh, deal with it yeah. but uh, to me it's interesting that you're quite different and we're very close friends uh, yeah it is interesting and what I would say is like what, what's really been the best thing about this podcast is that we found a way to socialise without drink like and I, I know we've banged on about not having a shared interest and stuff but yeah. we've created a shared interest yeah. we had the lineup the manufactured it like a boy band <laughs> yeah. like Ronald Simon, Keating Simon Cowell and Louis <laughs> Walsh got in and manufactured a shared interest <laughs> but uh, yeah like so I'm I'm pleased with that and we've, I think we have gotten to each other, know each other in a different way, like yeah, than if we just hung out when when drinking. Right, you are. So we'll finish up there, and we'll be back in a moment. Okay, so that's uh, quite a lot of culture there. <laughs> More culture than we bargained for. Uh, but now we're going to move on to the kernel of truth. And again, this was chosen by me this week. So the kernel of truth is to do with uh, the topic of procrastination. Uh, so this is something that I am, um, I won't say a huge advocate of, but a huge, let's say, practicer of. Uh, I'm a huge procrastinator. And uh, this is a line from a song by the band Savatage called When the Crowds Are Gone. Please and sing it. When the crowds are gone And I'm on my own Feeling all alone When the lights are gone Turn it on again Anyway (laughs) Okay The line was I wasted my time Until time wasted me And it Oh yeah just vocally that's I wasted my time Until time wasted me So uh, That line Really hit home with me Because I'm a massive procrastinator As I said 
I wasted my time until time wasted me. So I wasted so much time that time ended up wasting me as a person. That's that's how I read that. Uh, the concept of time and how much of it I waste in turn just made me a waste or wasted me. And I've done a lot of time wasting in my life. Uh, and I actually think there's a great line in that Elliot Smith song, which I only just discovered as well, which is a really, really links to this concept of procrastination. Um, uh, so this is the opening few it's the opening quartet it's like drink up baby stay up all night with the things that you could do you won't but you might the potential you'll be that you'll never see the promises you'll only make so you're not going to keep the promises but you'll make them so mm. I, I think that is kind of almost talking about procrastination as well or, or promises or things that you say you're going to do but you never do do you think your procrastination levels have changed over the course of your life yes they've gotten worse I was going to say the opposite because you, as has been revealed on previous podcasts, wanted to do something creative. And now you seem to be doing lots of things creative, like doing this podcast and singing as the lead singer in a new band and just a deep yeah. screenwriting. And From so, the outside looking in, it looks, so, like, I'm, <laughs> it looks like I'm a busy, so, productive prick. So, so uh, explain, despite that, how do you think you're still a procrastinator or how is it getting worse, despite those things that seem the opposite? Okay, so there's an excellent article about this by Tim Urban on the Wait But Why blog, uh, which was written in 2013, and it's called Why Procrastinators Procrastinate. And he himself is a massive procrastinator. And uh, this really, I, I keep using the phrase hit home, just make myself sick. <laughs> <laughs> this struck a chord. How about that? That's a nice one. Yeah, struck fresh. A, struck a chord with me. Uh, so go and look that up. It's called uh, Wait But Why. And this is uh, Tim Urban. That's why procrastinators procrastinate. If you are a procrastinator yourself. Um, but this one is fucking excellent. In It just, he, he talks about how he knows he can do good work, but he waits until the last possible moment to do it. Mm. And that's me. So I need to be almost held at gunpoint. And the person saying, you have an hour to do this assignment or I'll shoot you and you'll die. And until I'm at that point in my own head, mentally, I don't do any work. So, for example, the screenwriting, I'll give you an example. I used to have to submit my pages by Sunday at midnight. I would wait until Sunday at 10 p.m. and then I'd start writing. Because mm. uh, I convinced myself or tricked myself, I can only write when I'm under pressure, mm. uh, which was a lie. I couldn't write because I was too lazy. Not to, uh, yeah. too What's lazy. What's that word, mental acrobatics? Is that, is that the term? I haven't heard that term, but that yeah. sounds relevant. Um, so I'd wait until 10, start writing then, and I might be trying to write six pages of dialogue, and I hadn't planned what I was going to write, and I didn't know what I was going to write. <laughs> so I was, I, was, I was holding this gun to my head saying, you're going to die, I'm going to shoot you, unless you write the shit. And what, what ended up happening is that I wrote decent stuff, but I don't know how much better it could have been had I just written it like a normal human being and in a controlled early stage, like on Friday, done a bit on Saturday, editing, reviewed it on Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I used to do that with college assignments. I used to do it at homework. Um, I'll give you an, another example with the band. I have lyrics to learn or just songs to familiarize myself with. So a lot of the songs that we're going to sing are not necessarily songs that I know, but I leave it very, very fucking late in the day before I do any of that stuff. So mm. while it, outside looking in, oh, he's in a band, we were doing this, we were doing that. <laughs> yeah, but no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the podcast, um, the podcast I'm a bit more disciplined with, but there have been times when I haven't prepared at all or I've 
thrown down a few notes just before we've gone on air or like like i mentioned on two face fake snakes a long time ago uh writing lyrics on the bus on the way over to dennis's I was, I was just thinking that back to our rapping career yeah you you would often say that you had a problem just you, you'd be given a week's notice that you had to have a rap song ready for the next saturday or whatever yeah. it was and you would leave it up to write until the time you're traveling literally was writing them on the bus that always surprised me um because at the time i would write the lyrics so dennis would give us dennis was our sort of producer guy he was um <laughs> interesting character <laughs> so dennis used to give us the deadline and i would do my lyrics within the first 48 hours that's insane that's insane that's like kevin daly coming home and doing his homework at 5 p.m yeah would he do that he'd come home and do his homework at 5 p.m and have the rest of the evening free jesus i used to uh i used to ruin my entire evening and my entire life in college by not studying not doing homework repeating exams every year making a four-year course into a six-year course yeah every summer was wasted yeah because you were you were putting it off and the reason i did the lyrics within the first 48 hours was because it was drummed into me since early childhood to get it the hell out of the way yeah that was my dad he was always like get it done get it the hell out of the way whatever Mm. it is do it now do it now so he used to um it's a fucking great great philosophy and i think of that myself it's interesting from you saying it to me uh, he he used to um he he was a teacher for most of his career and uh, um, he would get summer exams to correct and so he'd have the whole year's summer exams to correct so there'd be about 90 uh, from the year's exams mm-hmm. to correct or mm-hmm. ma- maybe not 90 <laughs> whatever, just, it's whatever it is yeah. and um, he would literally get the exams bring them into his office and do them on that day he would spend about three or four hours and then the next day he would spend maybe five or six hours and then all of the correcting that is would be unbelievable done. discipline so he would just be so disciplined it would oh be done so like it was really drilled into me anything that had to be done mm. was just constantly i was constantly motivated by my father to get it the hell out of the way and that's something that i really took on board now there is a flip side of that in that sometimes in life you need to let things go and you need to not respond to the email and you need mm. to put work off for a couple of weeks or mm. so like sometimes you get almost addicted to getting it the hell out of the way so it's almost the opposite of procrastination i, I, I can't relate to that one <laughs> but and if you don't get it the hell out of the way immediately then you get really anxious and stressed that it's not done so if you leave it at 24 hours you're stressed constantly in the back of your mind for that 24 yeah. hours so, so so there's a flip side to it I, as well i think i've lived my life as an from an 18 year old up till now in a perpetual state of low level angst and stress due to stuff I haven't done uh, Interesting. so it starts from college right up until the present day and that's and, and prior to that in school I was often scribbling down my homework as the teacher was walking into the class sometimes I'd be writing an essay in the class I, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd get a two or three page essay done in 45 in the minutes class. yes yeah, that I'd had done, to be handed up like yes at the, at the end, end of the class so I knew he wasn't going to go through everybody's essay so you'd be writing an essay in the class for the entire class looking like you were writing notes um, but yeah so but definitely since college so, so I didn't repeat first year but I repeated second year and third year and I didn't repeat fourth year, but I did fail my thesis in fourth year and have to resubmit it. Uh, so I failed exams every single year. Some some years I passed the repeat. Some years I didn't pass the repeat, which is, 
which necessitated repeating the year. In the year, you get the chance to do the summer exam again. Some years I failed that again and mm. had to do the repeat again. So I was doing an exam for the fourth time. Mm. I, I did that many times. So it messed up your life, procrastination. Completely messed up my life. And it was always this thing hanging over me, like you're saying with Mrs. Curry. Uh, <laughs> always hanging over me. And I could never enjoy my summers really as as a early late teens early 20 year old because I always had the repeats hanging over me there were always every single year of my life there were repeats coming up in September every single year in college Uh, and it's my own fault 100% because I didn't study I stopped going to lectures and then I used to try and cram inverted commas the night before but even I was even lazy with cramming Mm. like I the first time I submitted my thesis I started writing it the day before and I stayed up for 24 hours and I submitted 13,000 words which wasn't enough it was supposed to be 15,000 the second day the second time after I failed it the first time I did the same thing I started it the day before I drank a 2 litre of Pepsi infinite cups of coffee and wrote 15,000 words I felt like I was on cocaine by the time I'd finished all the coffee because it was <laughs> such a strong like um, buzz of caffeine so you were waiting for like whatever if you were leaving it to the last minute or using caffeine or whatever like you were using the adrenaline that you felt in your body and your brain to motivate you to actually do it there was some yeah. sort of adrenaline or stress it's kind of like gambling I think you're like you're gambling with your fate and I don't know if we've discussed on previous podcasts, I was an addictive gambler for a long time. Maybe I think we, I think we didn't open us. We m- talked about it. Okay, yeah. maybe we have. But uh, yeah. I, I think it's like you're gambling with your life almost. And mm. I think I get off on that in some perverse <laughs> way. It's uh, high stakes. So high stakes. The stakes yeah. don't get any higher. Your thesis for a second time. You failed it the first time. And yeah. you're submitting it again. Yeah. Uh, now, thankfully, I don't like I've managed to shake a good bit of that. Like, mm. um, and you know, I've held down a job for uh, seven years in the same company, five as staff, two as um, contracted partner. Yeah. But um, so like I'm, you know, I'm okay in that regard. But there are certain things like so the working from home um, movement. Uh, so like I do a typical day's work, right? And you know, I finish maybe about five, sometimes six. And I always have one little tiny little lingering piece of work. And I'm like, ah, I'll just leave the laptop open. I'll get to that in a minute. And I will do that. And for five hours that evening until I go to bed at 11 or maybe later at 12, I leave that little piece of work lingering. I don't do it. And it's not hugely important. I could mm. probably save it till the next day. But I promise myself I'll do it that night and get it the hell out of the way, as you said. But I don't get it the hell out of the <laughs> way. I keep it the hell in the way for the entire night and mildly ruin my evening every night of the week for five days. And then mm. mildly ruin my weekend because I'm thinking, shit, I should have done that. It's really. hanging over you. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me at this age. I can't shake it. It's like this thing where if I complete everything that I'm supposed to complete, what will there be left? Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I mean, it does interfere with lots of different areas of your life. And you you think to yourself, logically, if I changed my working habits, it would be different. But you probably, there's just in the moment, it's really hard to actually affect that change. Yeah, and I, I have to say, when I do, there are moments and times when I do do, do, do the thing earlier or like, so even some there were some cases with the screenwriting where I did it really really early in the week and I had it done and it feels fucking weird it's like I have this free time now and there's nothing hanging over it and I don't know what to do with it mm. so it's like it's a it's a weird bizarre place to be for me that I'm rarely in uncomfortable doing nothing kind of thing yeah it's 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 like it's almost like if I have something hanging over me I will at least be feeling the guilt of not doing that than just having all this free time that I don't know what to do with yeah. That's a psychologist's dream, probably. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's like at least I have something yeah it's like oh I should be yeah. doing that yeah but when I don't have anything to do I'm like I don't know what to fucking do with myself yeah and there is a there's sometimes a panic so I leave a task you leave a task hanging around so you're not left with because sometimes having nothing to do having nothing planned can feel like you're facing into the abyss I think so so yeah you, you kind of you kind of like there's it's kind of like what am I doing with my life almost it's like and that's the skill of relaxation some people have developed that skill that when you're doing nothing is to to do relaxing things like reading a book or mm. have a bath <laughs> or whatever it is like it's like I don't think mo- most people aren't doing that yeah. because you that's the first time I the first thing I do when I have a bit of free time is I take out my phone yeah. I check Twitter or WhatsApp see or I do that rather than doing my work yeah. <laughs> but like so it's it's a hard one to get to but that's you want to get to that point where you're comfortable having absolutely nothing to do and no deadlines but the other point I wanted to make about procrastination is I wonder is it domain specific in that you know that I'm late all the time mm-hmm. every time we meet up I'm late and yeah, except for today except for today it was yeah. early, because early I was earlier though. the suits it's, <laughs> I was there was eight people coming so I had to be on time but when I played uh, football for different teams I would deliberately be late almost and that was a form of procrastination because mm, I didn't is. I didn't want to transition to the point of being ready I didn't want to mm. to go at a certain time I kind of resented having to be there at a certain time and that is <laughs> rebelling against I'm it rebelling all. against the whole thing and then seven, I don't half seven fuck off <laughs> yeah fuck <laughs> off you prick I'll be there at whatever time I want half eight yeah and like so that's why I think like when I look at you and I said at the start of this topic this segment is like I wonder are you not actually procrastinating? Are you procrastinating in certain areas, but in other areas like timekeeping, you are quite the opposite. So well, the timekeeping, we were talking about this earlier, the timekeeping is only a relatively recent thing for me. I have gotten way better at timekeeping uh, as a in my, in my 30s, let's say. And it, it goes back to a, a point I heard Ricky Gervais make. I think it was in one of his stand-up shows or it was some comment he made, maybe in an interview or something. And he was saying... Uh, you know, if you know, if you're the type of person who's late, you know, why don't you just not be late? Yeah. <laughs> and it seems overly simplified to say that. There there are probably underlying issues about lateness with people. But he was saying if you're late, if you're showing up to something late, you're telling the person you're going to meet that you're you think your time is more valuable than theirs. And I was a serial mm. late offender. Um I wasn't as bad as Delaney, but uh, I was a serial late offender, um, in that I was, I was often late for school, I'd be late for things, uh, I'd be late for work and yeah. stuff like that. And I just had to try and flick a switch and decide I'm not going to be late to anything anymore because I feel a lot more comfortable with myself when I'm not. I've had these chats with my brother Rob where you're on in your car or on transport to somewhere and you're cursing every traffic light or pedestrian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, for fuck's and sake. And it's so stressful. Yeah. And like, I'd be on the bus and I'd be supposed to be going to work or something. This is years ago now and there's some old woman walking across the road. You're like, you fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up. It's like, because yeah, you've planned... It so much stress. Yeah. You've planned the transit in the optimum time. As in like, that bus only takes 10 minutes and then the bus yeah. all of a sudden takes 19 minutes because yeah. of, you know, traffic and, and life. Um, yeah. 
And uh, and you you think it only takes me five minutes to walk from the bus to college. You're like, it doesn't. It takes you eight minutes. Mm. <laughs> Stop lying to yourself. You know. Yeah. So like, I think I used to do that a lot of time. I used to tell these little series of white lies. The bus only takes ten minutes. It only takes five minutes to do this. Blah blah blah. And then I used to be late. And uh, then I just decided. And I'm not perfect now. I still am late the odd time, but I'm a lot better than I used to be. And I, I decided, aim for being a bit early, and then you won't ever be fucking late. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is what I was today. I was like 18 minutes early to the suit fitting thing. <laughs> yeah. And you you consistently are early, or you're consistently on time. I think, like, for me, who is somebody who is consistently late, mm. it's like when I hear you say just be on time or you know like but you could say the same to me just do your fucking that's, work that's the point I was just do your screenwriting that's the point I was going to make it's like like it's it's completely irrational human behaviour it's like for me it's, it's it's almost like a feeling it's like I don't want to get ready or I can't do that or there's some sort of emotional block that like prevents me from being on time and I think for you in a different way it's getting tasks done or a screenwriting course or whatever it's there's a part of you that says i can't do that or i don't want to do that and it's i don't know what it is it's like i could extend those exact same points as you just said like i i yeah. could say to you just mm. do it mm-hmm. why don't you do it you're keeping everyone uh, like holding people up when you don't submit your work or whatever yeah but if like you know that as a human being when you're in that situation it's it's much more complicated there's all these weird emotions from 20 years ago (laughs) it's just so that's what i mean like procrastination seems to be like if you're procrastinating in one area in life like in other areas of life you might not be procrastinating and i think with i think as well like with things you love actually before you finish there (laughs) do you know the way you were saying your dad said get the hell out of the way does that not come into your mind when you're supposed to be arriving and showing up somewhere it obviously doesn't it doesn't no no because the getting the hell out of the way that my dad said was always when he had a, 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 a job of work to do. Okay, yeah, I yeah. hate that phrase, but I've just used it. A job of <laughs> I work. I think it, it describes what you mean quite <laughs> or well. Or tasks to do. Like, yeah. let's say you had 20 essays to correct mm-hmm. if you were a teacher. Mm-hmm. I would. I know deep down that I would do that straight away. But if it's been on time to a, a wedding... To an essay correcting <laughs> an convention. Essay, yeah, I'd be like... Oh, for Fucks off, fuck off, you essay correcting pricks. Or I would just have this sort of resentment in the back of my mind. Or, you know, I'm just really bad at, at estimating time. Were you late to John's wedding? John's wedding? Were no, you late to somebody's wedding? I was late to Liz's um, close friend Steph's oh. wedding, and I had Liz late to it as well. Oh, I think you told me this story, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we went to church. Oh, that was a church. terrible story, yeah. It was terrible, awful. We were about <laughs> half an hour late to the ceremony to in the church. Wedding. Yeah, awful. And, uh, we decided we'll sneak in the back <laughs> and just as we were about to walk in there was this big lady and she had these big high heels on and this is a big lady mm-hmm. <laughs> and we thought stupidly we thought we'll slip in behind her so she opened these two double doors and she banged and banged with each footstep yeah. and Everybody in the fucking church looked around and saw that we were late. It was the most embarrassing thing. And I, t- I think about that every week. <laughs> I think I'll think about that for the rest of my life. There's, there's no like resolution to it or forgiveness. It's one of those things where you were late to a wedding. You absolute prick. Like it's, oh my God. Like, and to be honest, that day I didn't mean to be late. Like, it's just, it's just this weird kind of avoidance type yeah. of thing it's almost like an, and I think you could probably relate to that in a different way outside of timekeeping 
in terms of task keeping. Yeah, so that's why what I mean when it's not domain yeah. specific. And, and do you know what what bothers me more? And this is not transferable to the lateness, but when I do the fucking thing, a lot of the times I'm really impressed with what I come up with. <laughs> but I but I trick myself in my head into thinking I can only do this when there's an immense amount of pressure yeah. on me. It's maybe like um, you're rewarding, you're positively reinforcing. If you know what I mean, like you, like every time you put yourself under that stress and you produce something, you produce good, good work. You you're produce, like, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I was right, was, I was right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, do you know what negatively reinforces it is that one of the days I did the screenwriting on a Saturday morning and uh, I produced really good work, but yeah. it was just for the rest of that day. I had this listless feeling of having completed the thing that was hanging over yeah, me. So I think you're, as you said, maybe 15 minutes ago, you seem to rely or see comfort in having something to do. Is I see correct? comfort in discomfort. Well, you, you, you like, you don't like the thought of having nothing to do. Would that be? Because I completely yes. identify with that. If that is the case, I think that's it. But I didn't, I didn't know that myself now before we started talking about it. But I think that's it. In that, if I had no tasks hanging over me, and there have been occasions where I have had none, uh, I, yeah, I get this listless feeling of like restlessness. Yes, I completely understand it. And it's like, yeah. at least when I have something hanging over me, I'm lying to myself and I'm like, I'll do that. I'll do that this evening. Mm. I'll do that later. I'll do that in half an hour. Yeah. And the rest of the day I spend wasting half hours not doing it, but at least yeah. I have a purpose. Yeah. Whereas if I have everything completed and done and daintily wrapped up in a neat little package, yeah. I uh, I don't have anything it's, it's to a, aim for. It's a huge adjustment because you go from that point of needing to do something to having nothing to do and having no deadlines and then you're look you're you're almost out of practice relaxing and doing nothing. Yeah, and, and I've never I haven't done it in as long as I can remember. Really? Mm-hmm. You've you've always had something to do. Always hanging over me, yeah. Okay. Whether it's learning lyrics for songs I'm going to be singing next week, or doing screenwriting, yeah. or um, preparing for a podcast, or doing work in work, mm-hmm. uh, or um, I always leave something. <laughs> you always keep. I wouldn't. Something. I wouldn't. Say, I wouldn't uh, keep myself short <laughs> so there's some sort of subconscious thing going on with you yeah and then when I finish up things I start new things like I finish up the screenwriting and I started doing stuff with this band I was like that's another thing I can procrastinate on for another yeah. six months until I fucking whatever yeah and it's, it's it's really hard because like like you know the way you are cool with being on time sorry for using the word cool okay, apology accepted I I deep down know that I have a deep-rooted problem with that, and I, I I can't really explain it. And I think it's it's like the opposite will work. Like I know that I'm good <laughs> with that. Like if there's if I'm given a job of work to do, yeah. I will do it straight yeah. away. Mm. I won't procrastinate at all. But I think you have have so much emotional baggage maybe around that that you won't actually do it. And it's it, it's it's like there's different areas of life that different people are good at and, and it's just it's, it's, I think it comes down to the whole thing about being a human being where you're a completely emotional animal creature and you're completely irrational yeah. half of you and then the other half of you is completely irrational and that rationality is a thing that's only come in in like the very tail end of human beings uh, the rational brain it's mm. like it's not something that was yeah and like, you were you were reading about this probably in the um what was that book you're reading? The Sapiens. Sapiens. So yeah. all human beings had to care about for most of their existence was warmth, 
uh, food and shelter. Yeah. Now we have to care about all this other bollocks. And this is only recent. Yeah. It's like, now I have to care about, you know, uh, you know, updating Facebook and doing my office job for eight hours a day mm. and, uh, you know, fucking keeping in touch with these nine people who live in different countries and yeah. all of these other things. Like This is all this yeah. shit that, that, that's only really really recent and you have that, like, that evolving rational brain but you still have that all completely irrational nonsense crazy hundred <laughs> like I will kill you for for driving in front of me at that traffic light I will, I will actually get out of the car and kill you like that part of you is there and that there's more in your history of that than there is of prioritizing your tasks <laughs> yeah, I, gotta, I gotta do that fucking man. Neanderthals didn't have to prioritize their tasks they just yeah. went and fucking hunted uh uh if they were in America, or if they were in Neanderthal Australia, they hunted um, a marsupial uh, lion. Yeah. A lion which carried its young in its pouch until they caused them to be extinct. Yeah, absolutely. I can see now, like we've we've been nineteen minutes in. This is the longest. <laughs> this is the longest podcast we ever done. But I think maybe we should um, start to wrap things up. Let's what wrap do, it what up. do you think? Let's yeah. wrap it up. Okay, so that was the feckin' shit. <laughs> We gave you everything. I got a freaking check-in like no other. We gave the you psychology everything. of that match. Uh, Bret Hart used to talk about psychology in his wrestling matches. That was, that's what that was a reference to. Uh, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. The psychology, they slowly built this whole episode up from start to finish. Do you think any of the listener, or the listener, is still listening? Probably not. But I think it's a case of mind over matter because I don't mind and they don't matter. Of course you do matter. What are you messing? I just wanted to do a Bret Hart impression. Absolutely. So, in general, that is the end of this episode of the feckin' check-in. I really enjoyed this. I have to say, Trainer, I enjoy this so much more than the remote uh, podcasting with that podcasting that we've done recently. And yes, and we, we, we drinks as well and which we've done which were far predated the lockdown it wasn't because of the lockdown we were doing remote podcasting it was because when we found we had two microphones in the same room that there was an echo but we didn't ever realise we could just use one (laughs) (laughs) because we were such naive twats we abandoned that straight away yeah and um, it's a really yeah it's a really unexpected uh, joy I I, I don't know if I'm putting it the right way it's a really good thing unexpected enjoyment is like because before we would have met up tonight I wouldn't have expected it to be so enjoyable mm. and this has felt more like a conversation between two friends I know we're doing the whole feckin' check-in thing but I think it's also been a conversation between us and um, talking in a way we don't normally do on the feckin' check-in and yeah. I may, maybe that's like let's listen back to this and see what it sounds like but I think that directly maybe, after directly <laughs> after yeah but maybe that might might be more interesting too the listener <laughs> yes okay uh, any final words for listening to me uh feck off listener wow how oh. <laughs>